And the answer that I come back to and I'm often given is the direct manager because they're really the face of the company and they can do so much to control and influence some of those drivers that really make that environment and that experience for the employee worthwhile. Hello there and welcome to the My Future Business Show. My name's Rick Nusky. This is the show that gets you in front of your best audience and keeps you there. I hope you're doing really well today. It's great to have you here. In fact, it is so wonderful to have the opportunity to be your host. I like to say it each and every time because I truly mean it. I am blessed to be that person. So thank you very much for the opportunity. Now, before we jump into today's call, I'd like to send a shout out to Jordan for his support. He says, I love listening into the show. There's always something new to learn. So thank you very much for that, Jordan. Now, I on today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming Employee Relationship and Retention Specialist at Managed to Retain, Mr. Douglas Brown. Welcome to the show, Douglas. Rick, it's great to be here, and thanks so much for the opportunity to, to talk with you this afternoon. It's an absolute pleasure. Now, you and I are going to be talking about how managers can implement an effective employee retention strategy. Yeah, that's but true. along with that, we're going to be look, uh, looking at ways to strengthen relationships and positively impact a company's bottom line with everything that we're doing here today. But before we do any of that, uh, Douglas, I wonder if you can tell us where you're calling in from today. I'm calling in uh, actually from my home office here. We're located just... Uh, west of a town called Kitchener-Waterloo, or a city called Kitchener-Waterloo. It's in Ontario, Canada. And for people that might not recognize that, we're about an hour west of Toronto. Right. And Toronto seems to be uh, a city that most people would recognize and identify with. This is the most fun part of the call with me, uh, for me because we get some context about you. We learn a little bit about your life. Tell us what's yeah. a landmark there. What's the thing that would stick out for people? Oh, boy. Uh, well, the Kitchener-Waterloo area is, is really a, a kind of a tech hub in the Ontario area. It's, um, there's three cities that kind of make up the region, uh, Guelph and Cambridge and uh, Kitchener-Waterloo. Actually, we're the home. Um, many people might remember or recognize the BlackBerry. It was a handheld phone. Oh, yes. It was very, very popular back in um, the late 90s and in through the, the early 2000s. And that was actually founded and uh, built and, um, you know, everything was run out of their Waterloo, Ontario offices. So that, wow. that would be a, a benchmark. Maybe I, I, would, you know. I love the history of a, of a place like this, you know. Uh, is ice hockey yeah. a big thing there? Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, you can't live in Canada without being exposed <laughs> to, to ice hockey at some point somewhere. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the winter's winding down now and, some of the, the teams are playing uh, in championships and uh, having their playoffs and things like that. But uh, it's a popular time of year for hockey. Do you follow a team yourself? Is that, is that what you get into? What's your thing? Yeah, we do. We try and follow some of the local teams. Um, always interested in seeing how well they're doing. Um, on the, uh, and then some junior teams that would be more in the, the major cities. It's, um, you know, the, the chance for kids that play at the elite level to kind of learn more skills and, and develop. And, and then, of course, we follow some of the professional teams. Uh, I've been a, a Toronto Maple Leaf fan for for years, Wonderful. I'm sorry to say. but uh, <laughs> No, you yeah, got yeah. to follow somebody. So thank you very much for that feedback. Now, it tells yeah. us a lot, I think, sports about discipline, especially when you mentioned the younger grades coming through. How much do you think we can learn in terms of discipline from sports? Oh, it's, it's so important. Um, you know, just discipline and, and forming those those habits that are, are positive and, and lead to good behaviors and 
Um, and then I think you also have the, the social side of those sports, Rick, that's, that's really important. You know, I still have friends from when I played hockey and different sports back, you know, 40, 50 years ago. And uh, so I think those relationships last a lifetime. But no, you're absolutely right. It teaches discipline and and perseverance and, and uh, all those things. Because we're going to be talking quite a quite a great deal about relationships. Now, tell us a little bit about your social life. You just touched on it. What do you like to do? You like going out for a meal, movies? What what you think? Yeah, yeah, all of that. Um, you know, we we enjoy getting out and maybe going to a concert or going to a movie. Um, Certainly, uh, if we have an opportunity to socialize with friends, that that's always uh, something we enjoy. Um, you know, I'm a I'm a real history buff, so I like to take some time and learn about, you know, some of the the events and um, things that have gone through gone on in our history uh, mm-hmm. through the years. And and of course, I read and just different things like that uh, yeah. that keep me busy. Yeah, fantastic. I learned a lot about uh, Amazon Prime recently. I'm a bit of a war historian. I don't like the concept of war, but it's very interesting. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. And, um, you know, on one hand, it's, uh, it's, it was so difficult um, during those war years. And, mm. um, but, you know, I think we, we can all learn from that. And um, hopefully, hopefully we, we don't make those mistakes. No, again. we need to be yeah. learning from our past, don't we? Now, tell me, is, it, is the location you're living in now, uh, Doug, the same place that you grew up in? Uh, it's close. Mm-hmm. We, uh, we grew up about an hour. I grew up about an hour from here. It's a little town or city called London. It's in the heart of southwestern Ontario. Yep. And uh, as, I, as I grew up and got away into university and uh, met my wife and got married. We settled in this town or in this region, mm-hmm. and we've been here for, uh, oh boy, in this particular house, maybe 20, 25 years. Yep, yep. And um, all of our kids are kind of growing up now, so yeah, so it's a nice area. So what did you learn when you were growing up? What was the one thing that, you know, you had the most fun with that you look back on fondly? Oh boy, well, as we mentioned earlier, I, I was always an avid sports fan, Rick, mm-hmm. and um um, you know, enjoyed uh, my time. Hockey was the game, and we we were thrilled to have the opportunity to play every winter. Um, you know, other things than that, like we I was born and raised on a farm, so you know, a lot of outdoor activities and of course work on, on a farm, and um, you know, and then the, the school years where you're in high school and uh, and then moving on to university. So all those all were, those were part of my young young life yeah yeah it's amazing that you say that because i grew up on a farm too we would get up and we'd go do the mushrooms and uh, you know oh, yeah. prepare the chickens and, and dip the sheep and then <laughs> go uh, catch the rabbits and you know all the rest of the things we used to do but it used to be a very wholesome experience didn't it yeah it's it, it teaches you hard work i think you know yeah. it's um it, it's 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 a it's a good life it, and sometimes in some ways it can be a hard life uh, mm-hmm. difficult but you know, uh, it's it's a labor of love, as they always say. Eh? Do you think that uh, it embedded that daily routine of getting up early for you? Do you still get up early? Yeah, I'm an early riser. I'm I'm not one of these uh, five thirty, six o'clock guys, but mm-hmm. I like to be going by seven, seven thirty. I typically I'll have a little breakfast. I'll try and do some exercise, and and then I'll start my day. Yeah, fantastic. Do you ever feel like when you're waking up, you just don't want to do it? And if you do, what motivates you? You know, I, I, I've found through the years that um, from the exercise standpoint has really helped me. It's, um, uh, it's helped me sleep better. It's helped me, you know, maintain my health. Um, 
So I, I've always been able to maintain that motivation to do that. As far as the schedule, yeah. you know, I find that if you have, uh, if you have, you know, activities or goals or objectives that you're trying to accomplish, uh, I think, uh, you know, if you get those identified and, you know, they're important to you, there, there's motivation there to get up and get going and, and get see what it. you can achieve. Absolutely. Yeah. So what are you? Are you a coffee drinker or a water drinker? You know, I, I am not a coffee drinker. No. I, I, it's funny, you know, most people uh, enjoy it for whatever reason. I've never, ever liked hot drinks. Yep, yep. Um, now, not to say I, I wouldn't have a coffee occasionally if I sit down with a friend, I might. Or, you know, I, I might actually prefer a cup of tea. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, but uh, but I, I, don't, I don't drink the hot beverages very often. That's very interesting. Now, tell me, back in your formative years, we all had somebody in there that we could look back on and say, look, they really helped me to become the person I have become today. Do you think yeah. you ever had anybody like that in your life? Oh, yeah, I would, I would say my father has had a profound influence on me. He was a, uh, a wonderful man, uh, cared deeply about family. Um, you know, he, he was a man of character, mm -hmm. and uh, he all, always had time for for everyone. So, I, I learned a lot from him, and uh, I miss him dearly. So yes, um, I can imagine. So I, I think there's certainly a lot to do with family. This is the bit of the show that really gets me going because it reveals something about you that's important to you. So I really do appreciate that. Thank you so yeah, very much. Yeah, now, right. um, when I was growing up, I also had this opportunity to make a bit of money here and there. I would mow lawns or I would wash cars. Do you remember a time? At, uh, did you ever do anything like that to make a bit of extra cash? Yeah, yeah, we did. Um, you know, I worked when I was young. Of course, we worked on the farm uh, of course, a lot, yeah. you know, <laughs> all the time, all those activities. <laughs> yeah. I, I had cattle that I looked after and, um, you know, you'd have to bring in crops and things like that. But yes. when I was, I'm going to say about maybe 13, somewhere around there, um, I worked, there was a local apiarist and an apiarist is a, a person that, that makes honey. Right. So he has bees and um, he set out yards, they called them yards, and they were a series of hives where the bees live. And he had them in various locations around the region. And I worked with him for about three years in a part-time summer role kind of thing and going out and helping to harvest the honey. And uh, it, uh, it was, yeah, it was an interesting, interesting time. See, a lot of people don't recognize um, and realize how important bees are. They're quite important to the whole structure of everything, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, they are. It's amazing. Like not just the honey, um, which, you know, hundreds of thousands of people enjoy mm -hmm. um, all of the agriculture. And we actually used to have, he used to sell a service, Rick, where we'd go and take hives into orchards for uh, um, cross-pollination. Yes, and yes. He'd, he'd put them in, um, you know, agricultural sectors where uh, it was important to help the, the crops and things like that. So he actually had a service and they're so important with that as well. Thank you for sharing. Tell me a little bit about, let's shift gears a bit, and tell me a little bit about your, I guess, your educational and professional background. Yeah, it's, um, well, I, I got through high school like most people and, and then went on to university. I studied at Western University, which is in London, Ontario, mm -hmm. where I grew up, and spent some time there. And then I wanted to get involved actually in, in agriculture because of my farm background. 
So I went and transferred to the University of Guelph and, and finished my career there. And uh, from there, I worked on uh, and worked in the food industry for many years and, and then got into this crazy world of sales uh, back, <laughs> in, I'm going to say the mid, um, mid-19, mid-late 1980s, that time frame. And uh, worked uh, initially selling detergents and cleaning agents to the food, the food processing companies. Moved on to sell industrial chemicals and then food ingredients. And, um, you know, through the years, I've, I've gone from everything from a supervisor to a manager to president to an owner and in, in a variety of different roles. So it's been it's, it's been, been right. quite an experience. Yeah. <laughs> well, look, yeah. there's certainly a lot for us to unpack on today's call, uh, Doug, and I'm really enjoying it so far. Thank you very much. Now, tell me a little bit about uh, Manage to Retain and I uh, guess what was the genesis of that? Genesis of that? Yeah, I, I would I would say this, Rick. We when I was this is maybe around 2000, and our kids were young, and I had wanted to um, teach them a little bit about the business world and you know how to earn a little income and things like that. So we started a part-time business called Recognition Rewards, and it was selling award products and reward products, incentives, things like that to small businesses, small, medium-sized businesses. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you know, it grew a little bit. It, 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 it didn't take over the world or anything like that. <laughs> but it, it gave me some experience and it helped the kids a little bit, earn some income and, and teach them a little bit about the business side of life. And, yep. um, and they kind of moved on and got into their own jobs and things like that. But I had kind of an interest in that. So it, it, it progressed from there to a business that we ran for about 10 years called Engage to Perform. And that was primarily centered around employee engagement surveys. And the work that we did in recognition rewards kind of helped me understand that there was much more to um, driving high performance and building loyalty and things like that beyond, you know, recognition. Although that's one of the cornerstones. And um, so we started this and um, for about 10 years, we ran that, that business. And, um, you know, we, we had a wealth of data and, and uh, employee feedback and, you know, all kinds of information about their likes and dislikes and their needs and the challenges and problems they, they face and all that kind of thing. And so that is really what was the genesis of Managed to Retain. Um, Managed to Retain is a newer company, but mm -hmm. um, as we read about over the last few years with the, uh, the pandemic and the Great Resignation, mm -hmm you know, the increased numbers of, of turnovers. And we felt we had some solutions that we could offer for that. And, and so, um, you know, it was based on the data that we'd collected and, and some research and things like that. So that was where the, the name of the company came from. Thank you for sharing. Now, tell me a bit about the great resignation. Does that mean that there's uh, nobody in the workplace or the, I guess, the, the ways in which we're working with employees has changed and we're doing more work from home? Tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, it encompasses all that, um, Rick. I, I think, um, you know, the great resignation was really defined on uh, in, in increased numbers of employees leaving their jobs. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was kind of identified and recognized that people just weren't staying. And, uh, you know, I think I saw some statistics on this. The, the normal rate of turnover on a national level, I think, was somewhere around two, 2.2%. Yep. 
but it increased to, you know, there was, it went up as much, I think I've heard numbers around 2.9 or 3%. So it was, was far and above the, you know, maybe a 25% increase or something like that. Significant. 25%, 30%, very significant. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think in, in one month there in 2021, I'd read there was, I don't know, 4.3 million employees that had resigned. So it was really about the increased in, um, in, in employee turnover. So tell us a bit about, I guess, there's going to be a lot of people on this call today that are learning from you. They may not have started their path as an entrepreneur and business owner. Uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about, um, before we really focus in on uh, this, this topic today, what sort of um, chances did you have to take on yourself to start Manage to Retain? And how did you know that this was the right uh, choice of business for you? Yeah, well, I, I really would say that I saw kind of a demand in the in the, the marketplace that yeah. uh, led me to this decision. And, um, you know, I think businesses are starting to recognize now that, hey, there's there's some pretty serious costs associated with with losing our talent. Mm. And um, it's, it's not just cost. It goes well beyond that. There's, of course, there's direct costs and indirect costs. But even beyond that, I think you're starting to see labor shortages in certain industries and organizations are having a difficult time replacing um, candidates. So, mm -hmm. you know, when we looked at the drivers, and this was one of the key things, too, again, from some of that data that we collected, you know, we feel that there's really three core drivers. And I think we're you might have a question later about that, but that influence and, and impact an employee's decision to stay and leave. So we felt that there's, um, there, there's, there are solutions out there. There are strategies and programs that can kind of assist and support some of those key drivers. And those, those were the, those were the real foundations of the decision to, to go ahead and say, Hey, I think we can, we can bring some value to, to these businesses. Great that are feedback. Faced with these challenges. Yeah. Thank you again. I, I wonder about uh, technology. You know, I don't think that we'll ever go back to the way it was, you know, quote unquote. What do you think about te technology and um, how do you think it's going to contribute in the future? Oh, boy, there's so many advances now. You look, I've been doing a little bit with AI recently and, and um, reading about it and things like that. And it just seems explosive, some of the, the growth that these technology companies are offering. Mm. And... Um, you know, it's good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I think the benefits are, are tremendous, but at the same time, I, I do feel it poses some challenges with uh, the, the people side or the human side. Um, most of communication now is, is in a digital format. Um, you know, you're either emailing or um, actually a, a funny story. I heard um, of this one executive just recently and uh, he uh, he was having a hard time getting his uh, getting in touch with his employee, and he was uh, emailing him and emailing him, and he wasn't getting any response. And <laughs> so finally, he found out that the employee, the only place he chats and interacts anymore, is on Instagram. Yep. And you know, th so these are some of the things that we're starting to see, and I, I think it's. Um, it, it, you know, I just, I wonder sometimes or worry sometimes that we're, we're losing that human interaction and uh, that's so important to relationships and, and to, you know, our, our pride and our, our sense of well-being and 
our health and all those things. So, so I know that a lot of companies uh, are demanding that their employees actually attend the workplace, even if they have the technology to, to work from home, because by and large, their role doesn't require them to, to actually be in front. But it's for those very reasons. Now, the businesses like Google, they actually do a great deal of, uh, make a great deal of effort to provide a, a workplace that people want to be in. How important is the actual work environment? Well, it's really important, and and um, it, it's not only the environment; it's the experience and the interactions and the relationships and and those kind of things. Google's done some some wonderful things, and actually, you know, we had a chance to visit um, London, England last year in the summer, and one of the people we were traveling with is um, a Google employee here in Waterloo. Uh-huh. As I mentioned it; it's a bit of a tech center. Yep. So he, he had arranged uh, for us to take a visit, go through and take a tour of this Google uh, facility in London. And it, w- it was an amazing building and it was laid out amazing. And, you know, the, the perks and the benefits of being a Google employee were were also amazing. And, you know, one of the things uh, that amazed me is um, all employees there are entitled to breakfast, lunch and dinner at no charge. They can come and go as they please. They can eat as they if they want anything they want. They've got chefs on staff. They've got full meals. They've got sandwiches. They've got all kinds of everything. coffee and beverages and ice cream and <laughs> wow. anything that you want as an employee in terms of maybe a snack or something to eat is there. And um, so that's, you know, a wonderful perk. And I think a lot of companies really probably can't afford to do something like that. But no. you're seeing them put in you know ping pong tables and you know uh, other specialty things just to have the employees have a little more fun and yep yeah i think they're all good rick the only thing i caution people is be careful because i think the perks don't always address some of the intrinsic needs that that employees have and um that are they're really important as well I think this is a great segue, Doug, into culture and leadership. Tell me about the importance of having good leaders and a, and a culture and an ethos in a workplace to, I guess, increase the retention. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's so important. And, and as you mentioned earlier, to create uh, the right experience and, and, and the right environment and, and atmosphere to work in. And, and everybody has a role. It, it's one of those top-down things that I think starts at, at the ownership and the senior leadership level. And, um, you know, it has to be kind of lead by example, so to speak. And, and um, so that people understand the values and, and the, the mission and the culture and, and all those things. And one thing I'll, I'll mention that might be of interest if people want to research this a little further. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the psychological contract. Uh, have you ever? Mm, I'm about probably, to. <laughs> well, yeah, you've probably come across that. But anyways, it's... Um, you know, when a when an employee accepts a job offer or job opportunity, um, really the essence of that psychological contract is that they have needs and expectations as well. And certainly the employer does and the company does the, you know, they need the the employee to perform at a high level. Uh, they need, um, you know, they to be interactive with their colleagues. They need good communication. They need commitment to, to goals and all those things are important. But at the same time, I, think I always encourage businesses to 
remember that the employee has needs and desires as well, and they go well beyond uh, salary, salary and compensation. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that that's part of where the culture and the ethos comes in uh, to create that work experience. This is great, Cole. It made me start thinking about have you seen, are you seeing, are there in general uh, increases in salary expectations regardless of where people are working? And also, you also touched on return on investment. Tell me a little bit about uh, the, the importance of that. Yeah, well, I, I, in terms of salary increases, Rick, they're definitely going up. And, and there's a few drivers of that. I think inflation, um, I don't know what it's like in, in your part of the world down there. But, <laughs> Pretty much the same. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's a cross global issue. Mm. And so, you know, with inflation going up and, and interest rates going up and cost of living going up with food and uh, fuel and things like that, I think businesses have been kind of forced to, to improve salaries. I think the general uh, increases, you know, a while back were maybe in that two, three, three and a half percent range. But now I think it's up maybe four or five, six percent kind of thing. Yeah. So so that was it. Um, and I think you had a second question there. Was it oh, okay. ROI? Yeah. Return on investment. Mm. Yeah. And I think, um, look, you know, employee turnover, as an example, now is is I think I read recently somewhere around 700 billion to 800 billion cost to the American economy, U.S. Wow. economy. It's crazy. So it, it's it's literally staggering. And um you know, so I, I think uh, there is there can be very attractive uh, returns on investments, and uh, I think you know you can start to get a reasonably good return if you can achieve. I would say, a 10, 15. If you're getting into that 15 to 20 percent reduction in your turnover rates, I think that you can certainly uh, have an attractive uh, uh, ROI. Um, and, um, you know, I, I don't know if it's really plausible to have a, a 50, 60 percent reduction in no. turnover, at least not immediately. Uh, there's just so many factors that, well, uh, uh, that, that account for this. But I do think um, uh, the, uh, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20 percent reduction is certainly realistic and achievable. One other thing maybe to mention is, you know, in addition to. ROI, I always encourage businesses to look at the, well, I call it VOI, oh. or value on investment. Yes, yes. And, you know, I, I think that's often overlooked and it's not as easy to measure and things like that. Uh, Rick, you're talking about, you know, employee engagement and commitment and teamwork and morale and all those kind of things. But it, it, it you know, when, when you step back at the end of the day, that has a, a major impact as well on that employee's decision to stay or leave as well as their performance so yeah there's some other components here that i think about as well i know that it's very situational and each workplace would be different but i'm thinking in terms of empowerment and trust is this is this one of those strategies that uh, employers leaders in employ uh, uh, in businesses should be thinking about nurturing yeah oh absolutely trust is is you know it, it's really at the heart of every relationship and um I think to see high performance, to see loyalty, to see commitment, to see people going above and beyond, um, it, it's really all related or it's, it's, it's so important on that trust side of things uh, to have good relationships, people you can work with, people you understand, people that understand you. Yep. And it all, it all kind of comes from trust. And uh, 
So it, it's there's no doubt, Rick. It, it's one of the cornerstones of a good relationship and, and the work that we do. Um, regarding empowerment, I, I would also say it's extremely important. Some people, maybe more so than others. I mean, I think some people want to have some autonomy in their work. They want to be able to take initiative and, and act when they feel it's it's uh, something needs to be done or something should be corrected. Mm-hmm. And so that though, that's also uh, it's also important to employees. I saw a lot uh, in my time in a large uh, international manufacturing organization. I used to be a quality manager. And what I, what I recognized, even from line level up through to senior management, was the importance of contribution and involvement in decision making. How, how, how much uh, has that changed or is it still important, do you think? Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's important. Everybody likes to feel that they're, they're valued for their contributions. And it's not just maybe, you know, to be able to achieve a goal or to uh, finish a special project or something like that. Those are important. Mm. They are. But I would say just simple things like ideas to be able to go to your manager and say, you know, hey, I, I have an idea that I feel could improve this, or wouldn't it be more efficient if we did this? Or I think we could cut costs uh, if, if we, you know, maybe did this kind of thing. And so those ideas and suggestions, just to be able to present them and have them received and discussed, and in some cases acted on, or if they're not acted on, get feedback, hey, we, we couldn't do this right now, um, we've got some other priorities, but we'd like to relook at all those things, I think, create the, the, the value of your contribution as an employee. So what do you think the role of the mid-level manager or direct manager actually is, given that we've just touched on this, that they were having these interactions? What, is there a suite of things they should be aware of and how would they know about it? Do they get training? Is that the best way forward? Yeah, I, I would say training is definitely helpful, coaching, those kind of things. Uh, I mentioned this. I you know, when I ask the question to clients or prospects of, you know, who, who is in the best position to influence employee retention? Or, or maybe another question to ask is who is in the best position, the strongest position to influence the drivers of employee intention? And those, those drivers being maybe the employee experience, employee engagement, uh, career development, those are, the, those are the three cores that we had actually mentioned earlier. And the answer that I come back to and I'm often given is, you know, the manager, yeah. the direct manager, because they're really the face of the company and they can do so much to control and influence some of those drivers that really make that, that environment and that experience for the employee worthwhile. So I think the, the managers, you know, can play a very active role. I think it, it's, hap- it's important for senior leadership sometimes just to explain how important that role is for the manager and not only that but then to support them with as you said coaching or training or um, you know resources to, to help them improve employee retention numbers I, I think about bureaucracy and I think about flat flat structures as opposed to you know hierarchical structures um, what part do they play in, in in creating complexity or removing it from some of the effectiveness of employee retention strategy well, I think it, it can help because you can give people the autonomy to, to maybe make decisions. We're talking about a flat organization mm. now. Yeah. And, um, you know, that's important. Uh, they want to have the, the flexibility and how they approach things. Um, 
they want to have interaction with their colleagues. And I think in most cases, a lot of cases anyways, they have the skills and the knowledge and uh, the experience to, to be able to make decisions and, and uh, move forward. So um, having said that, I think leadership is important and, and uh, it's, it's not going away or anything, but no. I think leaders are taking on a different role now a little bit. I, you know, I think it's not, any more the command and control kind of leadership styles it's more about you know motivating and building trust and building relationships and you know um, empowering people and cultivating uh, uh, their skills and things like that that I think uh, are ultimately important. Great feedback thank you very much. Now what incentivizes an employee to stay at a business we've talked about career paths but given the nature of the changing workplace what other incentives are there for them are we talking about being able to go home early to go watch the kids play school, uh, sport or is it you know a, a part of the reward system what is it bonuses tell us a little bit about that yeah I, I think there's there's really two things I think that are critical um, uh, Rick and I, I think there's really two aspects to it I would say one is the financial side of things and people want to have again we talked earlier about inflation and the increased costs and I think people want to have um, uh, fair salary, fair wages, um, to be able to live the lifestyle that they want. And part of that is bonuses and, you know, incentives and good benefit plans and, yep. and all those things. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the one side of the equation. Um, the other side that is, I would say equally as important is the uh, non-financial side. And that goes to that work experience, the, the engagement, the environment they're working in, the relationships they have with their superiors, the communication, um, trust levels, all those kind of things. Matter of fact, I'll mention, um, I read an article, I jotted this down because I thought your listeners might be interested. Mm -hmm. These, this was, a, I don't know if anybody, people have heard of McKinsey and Company. It's a, it's a major HR consulting firm. Yep. And they listed the most important reasons that people leave jobs. And they were all about equal. One was not having caring leaders, 35%, uh, having sustainable work expectations, 35%, and lack of career development and advancement potential, 35%. So roughly those approximately. Three main parts, so, right, basically. Three, three main components that are important to, to any employee as they, as they work in their career. Yeah, this is great feedback. Thank you so very much. I always think about um, that initial moment. You talked about the psychological contract earlier, but um, in terms of employee, um, you know, paperwork, that all happens during the initial induction phase. How important is onboarding new employees and, and having the expectations laid out in front of them up front? And how long should an induction actually last for? Yeah, great question, Rick. I, I think, you know, this is a hot topic right now, the onboarding and orientation and things like that. We actually ran a poll a couple of weeks ago and we were trying to determine what is the expected tenure of, uh, of a new hire now. And um, the results showed that uh, about 65% of employees will leave within the first four years. And Very long, about, really. It's not that long, and and about twenty five percent will leave within the first eighteen months. So you've got about ninety percent of employees that you're not getting four years out of. In fact, some of them um, are leaving in you know within a year, year and a half. And 
many people make the decision to stay or go within that first 12 to 18 months. So it, it's a real critical period. And um, I would say you mentioned earlier about clarity of expectations. I think that the, the hiring managers and the recruitment people need to be very clear about what the employee is going to be doing, um, what kind of work they're going to be doing, what their expectations are, uh, and all those things so that the, the employee really can you know, formulate in their own mind, is this, is this the right fit for me? Is this the right decision? And, uh, and then when they do get hired, I think, again, the manager has a crucial role to play that, you know, just with employee feedback and support and caring, as we mentioned, and, and guidance and communication and um, all those things that can take them from those first few days to maybe the first few years where they develop, a, um, you know, a, a level of trust and, and enjoyment in their job and things like that uh, that are all, all important. Tell you what, I can tell that you're passionate about this. You've got a lot of knowledge and experience in this field. There's a reason you're doing the work that you're doing, and it's a real credit to you. Now, let's look at your website and how people can make contact with you. I think it's critical from here on out. Um, there will be people listening to this show that want to work with you. So how do they do that? Where do they find you? Well, the, the best way is to uh, reach out. You can reach out either via email or there's uh, contact us on our website. The website is www.manage, M-A-N-A-G-E, the number two, not the word, but the yep. number two, yep. and then the word retain, R-E-T-A-I-N.com, manage to retain.com. That's a beautiful website. I love it. Now, I know that you're also on LinkedIn. Is that, is that right? We are on LinkedIn. If you can Google uh, Douglas Brown and manage to retain, uh, you can find me there. I'll also give you, in case the listeners are interested, um, uh, there's two emails. One is info at managed to retain .com, or uh, my personal email would also work. And that's D is in Doug Brown, like the color D Brown at managed to retain .com. Well, there you go. If you're on this call today and you're certainly looking for strategies as a business owner, as a middle line, mid-level manager, or anybody else that's coming up through the ranks and wants to learn more, I'll be making sure that managetoretain.com uh, link is available to you below this post or wherever you actually hear this interview, which has been absolutely wonderful that you get access back to Doug and all of his wonderful work. And Doug, thank you so very much for joining me on the My Future Business Show today. Well, thank you, Rick. I've enjoyed it immensely. And, uh, and thanks to all the listeners that tuned in today. So thank you.